but they're engaged. Doesn't matter, it can't happen. Why not? It's bound to come up. It's impossible. Lois could never have Superman's baby. Do you think her fallopian tubes could handle this sperm? I guarantee he blows a load like a shotgun right through her back. What about her wound? Do you think it's strong enough to carry his child? Sure, why not? He's an alien, for Christ's sake. His Kryptonian biological makeup is enhanced by Earth's yellow sun. If Lois gets a tan, the kid could kick right through her stomach. Only someone like Wonder Woman has a strong enough uterus to carry his kid. The only way he could bang regular chicks is with a kryptonite condom. That would kill him. Scott, if your life had a face, I would punch it. Yeah. Wait, what? Let me ask you something. Why would reason you make the point of saying someone's not a genius? You think I'm especially not a genius? Veronica, why are you pulling my dick? Suck my fat one, you cheap dime store hood. Hello everyone and welcome to another installment of the greatest moments in the history of forever. I'm Zach. I'm Matt. And this is episode number 51, Mallrats. Alright, so life after episode 50 begins. We keep rolling. On the downward slope now. Pretty much. Yeah. Um, how are the stickers coming along? They're all here, I just need to start getting orders out. <laughs> <laughs> by orders i mean me texting people and say hey you want a sticker um as always you can follow the show on twitter at greatest pod and you can subscribe to the show on itunes yeah (laughs) totally you okay yeah um so let's get right into it mall rats kevin smith's second feature film uh how early did you see this movie I don't know. I didn't see it till definitely years and years after it came out. Well, yeah, me I mean, too. In the t- I, I definitely didn't see it until, I don't know. I, I mean, I know it, it was probably around 2004 or five for me. Uh, for, I think for me it would have been a little bit earlier, probably 2000, 2001, something like that. Yeah. Um, I think uh, my friends and I probably rented Clerks first and then rented this. It, we were just kind of... Going you know, through that, being made aware of the situation right. that there were multiple films that featured Jay and Silent Bob. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. The I whole think I actually may may have seen Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back like first. That may have been the first Kevin Smith movie I ever saw. I I saw that in the theater, which is really strange, seeing as it's basically a movie referencing all his previous movies. Yeah, I definitely saw all the movies before that, uh, probably in order too. Wow. The internet was not really a tool that you would use to find out things about movies. I mean, it was, but it wasn't something that you would think about first. So every Kevin Smith-related film discovery came from people telling me or... Uh, I think with Dogma, I just happened to be browsing the new releases. I saw that on Comedy Central. (laughs) Well, I saw... I saw it when it first came out on video. I was at like a video rental store 
and just happened upon it and I saw the cover and I was taken aback at seeing yeah, yeah. Jay what and Silent this? Bob on the cover of a movie <laughs> that I didn't realize there was something between oh like chasing Matt Amy Damon and, and Ben Affleck some kind involved. of future project. So somebody originally somebody in high school originally told me about clerks and just kind of described a few of the funnier parts to me and I was like, Oh man, I have to see this movie. Oh yeah. And so then, you know, a journey began of just renting these movies with my friends and, you know, getting sucked up into that universe and thinking oh, yeah. these were the funniest things it's ever. Weird because this and uh Dazed and Confused, two movies uh, that really resonated with me and were just such a major part of my life when I was whatever, 16 years old, 17 years old. And it's like, they came out like 10 years before they became so important to me. Well, I think uh, Mallrats fits nicely in this kind of 90s uh, slacker genre that included things like singles, reality bites, Suburbia, Days and Confused, Empire Records, Clerks, and they kind of they kind of were like the '90s answer to movies from the '80s, like Saint Elmo's Fire or uh, the uh, Less Than Zero, Bright Lights, Big City, Wall Street, where the goals and the actions of twenty-somethings or teenagers were portrayed a lot differently. There was more of this kind of uh, frantic goal-oriented energy in the 80s, uh, kind of that generic uh, capitalistic kind of feel to the youth in the films, whether we're talking about, you know, people post-college or in college or in high school versus this kind of slowed down, casual slacker (laughs) mentality that pervade throughout the 90s. And Mallrats is kind of one of the quintessential films that depict that kind of feeling. Oh, for sure. It's strange, though, because it's like when you watch it, especially like watching it at different times in my life, but watching it now and knowing all the just like the backstory on the production and everything of it, but like having some space from it, from what I associated it with, with my life at the time when I watched it and just sitting here and watching it on this viewing, it's like it really has a feel of a movie that it doesn't know what it's even trying to be. Yeah, the the actual plot is completely absurd. The humor isn't really that of like, you know, the late night comedy type feel like there is. It's like there's drugs and sex and stuff, but it's like, but it's smarter than that still. But I don't know. It's really hard to figure out how it fits in as like a studio movie. Yeah, it's it's strange because it's kind of a weird combination of what the studio thought was like a raunchy titty comedy versus you know, the typical Kevin Smith fare of long-winded discussions that include references to superheroes and Star Wars and things like that. Um, And of course, a lot of the jokes don't really age all that well, especially, you know, if you're now viewing this a lot older than the first time that you saw it. But I think the, the genius of Mallrats is kind of in its simplicity, which is just two buds with nothing to do, no responsibilities, oh, yeah. no worries, wasting time together at the local mall. Right. Which kind of... For was a, a life people, I dreamed of. Yeah, a lot of people who grew up in suburbia kind of... It, it kind of is a reflection oh, of yeah. their own life <laughs> in a lot of ways, and I, I definitely related to it. Related? Past tense? I mean... <laughs> well, yeah. 
We still have, are making big plans to go to malls. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the film itself opens with a couple of uh, breakups. Technically, if you were to fit Mallrats into like the Viewisk universe, as it's called for the Kevin Smith movies, especially the first five, uh, it actually takes place the day before the events of Clerks, which is weird and kind of pointless in a lot of I ways. Did. It's like, who cares? Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of references to things that happen you know that get picked up on in later films or whatever they all kind of fit together it's almost i think maybe there is a charm to this that i like but it's so strange them all taking place in the same universe and how different each movie is like yeah. clerks mall rats chasing amy and dogma are just so each completely totally different movies i don't know i, I mean i feel like clerks and chasing amy were directed by the same person well, they, bo- they both seem low budget. Dogma. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like... Well, you can tell which ones are the studio and which ones are indie. Yeah, but yeah. I think I think that Chasing Amy has like this kind of like weirder, like mid-90s New York City grunge feel. I mean, that, it's just that's definitely absent from yeah, any not, other movie. Chasing Amy is probably the most reminiscent of something like Singles or something Yeah, like yeah, that. totally. So we're introduced to uh, T.S. Quint. Played by Jeremy London. Now, can right off the bat, as has always bothered me, the name T.S., what do you know about this? I don't know anything about it. It's strange to me. I've always thought it was odd that the character's name was T.S. Uh, that's It's possibly explained in one of the audio commentaries or something, but I don't remember okay. offhand. All right. Um, Is that a name that people run into? I mean, obviously, you know, if he was a female author trying to disguise his gender and trying to make sales, that name makes sense to me, but <laughs> just well, a lot of the names S. obviously Hinton. are references to jaws. Right. Obviously there's Brody Quint and, and Brody. Quint. What is TS? The shark? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I really, I'm not even sure what it could stand for. Like Thomas Steven. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. All right. It's just always st- stood out to me as weird. Uh, he's preparing for a trip to Universal Studios in Florida with his girlfriend, Brandy Svenning, played by the insanely beautiful Claire Forlani. <laughs> yeah, who would you know go on to feature in a huge movie, Meet Joe Black. <laughs> <laughs> a notorious I, movie. I think it was huge, right? I don't know. I don't know. It kind of has a reputation for something, but I'm yeah. not really sure what. I don't know. I think a lot of people didn't like it. Yeah, but I just feel like... And it's really long, I think. Okay. Brad Pitt just looks stunning in it, though. <laughs> I never saw it. Yeah. Uh, and he's going to... He plans to propose on this trip. So he's kind of of the mindset this that this relationship is going somewhere. So how old do you think they all are? Uh, early 20s. Okay. Done with college? Still in no, college? No, I think, according to this, it says college student T.S. Okay. Quint. Gotcha. So all right, that know. makes sense. Yeah. Probably like a community college situation. Man, just... All these kids wanting to get married in college. I mean, that's so nuts to me. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's just like something that within like the safe confines of a movie, it feels okay. But oh, okay, the yeah. cold reality of it right. would be horrible. <laughs> that's a lot of years Although left she after is college. Like, I, I mean... You're thinking Tia should lock it up. Yeah, I... I I've He's not seen this movie like this. a million times, and yet... We've seen how Jeremy London, how it turned out for him, so... <laughs> not great. Come on. I, I've you think, seen this movie you think a he million... could still pull a Claire for Lonnie? <laughs> uh, I've never... In all of the times I've seen this, I've never felt 
as strongly about how beautiful Claire Forlani is in this. I mean, she looks like Gal Gadot. I mean, she's like unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she's very pretty. I've never um, really. I mean, I've always thought she was cute, but I mean, it never really like. Well, she's never really been like a big star, really. I know, but yeah. I mean, whoa. Um. So here's the thing about this scene. I don't know, and I guess maybe I'm going to make this connection like a few times because I relate the movies so much together. But I think like the way that he's overacting with his hands, just is in his face and his expressions, just very. Uh, it reminds me of the kid from Days and Confused, the pitcher. Like, you know, <laughs> shockingly not his twin brother. Who right. Was in Days no, and I think uh, I think his twin brother does such a better job of acting in Days and Confused than he does in this. But well, apparently he had a lot of problems uh, remembering lines. Oh my god, because he was on drugs. Well, um, but yeah, but even the first time I ever saw Mallrats, I'd seen Days and Confused, like you know, maybe within the year before or something. I'm like, wow, that's weird that it's like I can t- I I knew well enough that it wasn't Jason London, like that it was his brother or whatever. But I, I was like, that's weird. And then Ben Affleck's in it, and uh, you know, the girl yeah, from Joey Lauren Adams. Yeah, Joey Lauren Adams. Um. Brandy tells T.S. that she can't go because she has volunteered to fill in as a contestant on her father's new uh, game show How called Truth or Date. Be? You know what I mean? Like, well, you're it, supposed to take the, not even the proposal part. You have a vacation planned. Yeah, you it does beg the question as to how much think about money it. was already invested yeah, in this trip. You're like, say you wanted to take your girlfriend to Mexico. I mean, and you've like spent all this money, you've paid a travel agent, you've got everything booked, and she's just like, uh, I'm going to do my father's game show this weekend. Which not only a game show, but a game show that involves... Her being pawned bur- off. Yeah, yeah her, get, win, or her being the prize for three male contestants you know, to win a date with her. Although she explains this, that it's actually T.S.'s fault. <laughs> yeah, in a ridiculous way, I mean, it's kind of a very Kevin Smith explanation for something in a plot where he commented that this girl was going to look fat was going to look fat on tv because the camera adds pounds and so she went swimming in the pool like a local pool to uh, i guess to hurry up and try to lose weight and she had a brain embolism and died or something which and i don't know did she go and tell a bunch of people well ts told me that you look fat on tv so now i'm going to you know what i mean why would she stop to tell anyone that new like News of the whole story has spread, you know, very quickly. And, of course, this would be the person that they go to the funeral in Clerks, if people right, are familiar right, with yes. that film. It's the same person. And, of course, this doesn't go over well with T.S. They have a fight, and then they break up, and his whole plan is ruined. So now we cut to yeah. T.S.'s best friend, Brody. This scene, I mean, forget even, like, what comes of it, but this... Him just like waking up, it kind of feels like late in the morning. He's got like his TV is still left on from the night before with his video game still going. I mean, I don't, it's like so relatable for me. <laughs> I mean, the amount of times that I just like uh, wake up with like FIFA still on from the night before, like. <laughs> oh, relatable to you right now is what you're saying. Oh, no, no. Like when I was like oh, okay. 20 or whatever. Yeah. Um, Smith certainly no, has a way of. my TV on. <laughs> Smith certainly has a way of uh, capturing that kind of every man slacker quality that resonates well with certain people. (laughs) I was going to say certain people, but losers might be more appropriate. (laughs) And of course, his girlfriend 
uh, Renee is there, played by Shannon Doherty. You know, it doesn't take very long, to, you know, for the idea to come across that she's kind of discontented with this relationship. Uh, <laughs> doesn't seem like there's a lot in it for her. I would say, yeah, yeah. And of course, they break up as well, and she apparently. Had, had a spent time planned letter. Yeah. yeah, this letter had been pre-written, and so she gives him a a letter, basically signaling uh, it was breakup city for the two of them. <laughs> um, as kind of a special treat for the listeners, uh, Matt has graciously allowed for a breakup letter of his own to be yeah. included in this episode of the podcast. I mean, I will say, in contrast to the one to Brody, which was very. Uh, I guess negative towards him. Right. I mean, this 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 one is is much more positive and full of hope. But uh, and you know, I'll just give the disclaimer that we were very young when this occurred. But <laughs> I do have here a breakup letter. <laughs> okay, Matt. Okay, starts right off. <laughs> Fair enough. I know you probably think it's odd I'm writing you a letter. I will say I did think it was odd. <laughs> now. Was this had the breakup already occurred? Yeah, this was, was. I think this was kind of like a the breakup has happened. Oh, you even have the envelope. Oh yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, I mean it wasn't mailed to me. I think it was given to me. Yeah. See, so yeah, it says Matt on the front. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, I think it was like kind of like we had still broken up. The wound was still fresh, but she was kind of like, well, let me calm him down. She was feeling maybe a little guilty. Yeah, things needed to be explained a little bit, and here's the explanation. Okay, but I needed you to know how I feel. You are the most amazing person I've ever met. (laughs) You make me feel so special. I mean, so special that she just had to break up with me. Yeah, (laughs) some kind of special. And I loved every minute I spent with you. Apparently not enough, though. No, no. I miss you more than anything. It's like, well, I'm right. I was right there. I mean, I wasn't going anywhere. It's not like I I joined the army or something. (laughs) Uh. It kills that we had to end something so perfect. (laughs) We had to end it. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how mutual the decision was, but I know in my heart that with my life, it wasn't the right time for you and me with other things in my life. So really hammering that point, (laughs) that there's something else lingering in the background. (laughs) Uh, I believe so much with everything I have that we have a future together. We just have to wait for it. Well, it's been at least 10 years, I would say. <laughs> We're still waiting <laughs> yeah. for that. Where is this girl? <laughs> I had the most amazing experience with you. I love your family, friends, and more than anything, I love you. I will never forget everything you have done for me. Thank you so much. You mean everything to me. I mean, she's really hammering this home. It's a pretty convincing job with the exception of the fact that she was dating her ex-boyfriend like a week after sending this letter. Uh... You are an amazing person, and you deserve the best. Well, I mean, it worked out. <laughs> now, what asylum is she living in these days? I, these are the <laughs> ravings of a lunatic. No, no, she's a very sweet girl, and I'm sure everything's worked out great for her. Uh, but good luck with everything, hun. Which, oh, even at the time, I crinkled the paper up, hun. Don't call <laughs> me hun. Uh, I will always love you. <laughs> love, and I, you know, won't say the name, but. So. Well, I mean, that wasn't ridiculously overdramatic. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I mean, it was full of uh, kind words and hope, but it's just like, it was uh, it was a false hope, I'll say. <laughs> yeah, I don't... 
Well, I mean, it is kind of a a weird move that girls make in high school that they're always acting like, well, we can't be together now, but yeah, parentheses, because I want to fuck somebody else. Right. <laughs> but in the future, you're like the safe bet yeah, that like, if everything goes awry for me, I'm going to come back around to you. It's so the end of hold what, on. It's, it is. It's the end of what Hot American Summer. It's like, yes, it would be very nice to date you and you're very nice, but I'm young. And what I'm mostly concerned is right now with right now is sex. Specifically with my ex-boyfriend and not with you. <laughs> so, thanks to Matt for that. Yeah, we'll go ahead and get a frame for that and put it up <laughs> on the wall here with all our other great pop culture moments. Yeah, because for some reason, Brody immediately frames this letter and has it on his wall or whatever whenever T.S. comes over. And T.S. notices it within seconds of walking into Brody's room. Right. I mean, it's kind of... Absurd. Uh, which, although I will say the I too am now in the framing business is one of my favorite lines of the movie <laughs> as his way of telling Brody that he has also been broken up with. And so Brody suggests the two might find comfort at the mall. Where else do people go? I love this. Um, now, this movie specifically reminds me of one time period in my life in particular, which is when I was like about 20 and it, there was a semester of college because, I mean, they don't specifically say this, but it feels like it takes place during the week, right? Like, don't you just kind of get that gist that... No, I think it's referenced that it's is it, Saturday. Is it Saturday? Point. Okay. That kind of ruins my thing a little bit, but I don't know. It just that The whole idea of like d- like going to the mall, on a, especially on a day when everyone is at work and, doing, and having to do shit, you know? Yeah. But there was like one semester of college where it was just like I had off every Tuesday and Thursday. So just like those weekdays of just like nothing to do like people are getting up and going and you know i lived at home of course right uh so it's like my parents are like getting up going to work my sisters are going to school or whatever and i'm just like rolling out of bed at 11 uh finishing my game of fifa from the night before uh and yeah and that was like the shit it's just like uh you know get a hold of one of my fellow loser friends and we just go go to the mall or go to the casino or something just completely random you know yeah it's really like a golden era oh yeah absolutely uh, I had a semester that I took off <laughs> yeah. from school and worked. It was actually three a semester a while you were enrolled in school, but <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I went one day and then I withdrew from all my classes, <laughs> which is no, a legendary you know, a true move. story. Uh, so then I was only working like three days a week. Oh yeah. So then it's the just... other two days I did nothing. Oh yeah, that's the same thing, pretty much. Yeah. It was a big like Madden two thousand and three. Oh era. yeah. I worked a job where for this same period of time I could make my own hours and I, but I had to work a minimum of 16 in a week. But there was some weeks where it was like a real struggle to hit that 16 because by (laughs) Wednesday, like I'd already gone through the thing of like, well, yesterday was Tuesday. I could have worked like eight hours that day, but instead I was just like, I'm going to take a day for me. (laughs) I deserve it. Uh, It just so happens that truth or date uh, Brandy's dad's ridiculous show is going to be filming at that mall. Inspired by Singled Out in some way, does it feel like? Or maybe like a Tiffany music video. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> a lot was ha- a lot used to happen at the malls. That's Not so true. much anymore. Right. <laughs> malls are kind of dead places, but they used to be a big deal. <laughs> I can think of some specific ones that are pretty dead. Um, <laughs> they kind of encounter... Uh, some people that they know it just it's like one of those convenient movie functions where it's like oh every you know tons of people in their social circle also happen to be at the mall on this day including right uh willem played by ethan suplee 
who is reprising a character played by the much skinnier Scott, Scott Mosier, Mosier in Clerks. And and the characters really seem nothing alike. Yeah. Even well, like they, the way, I mean, they look nothing alike. Yeah, and then but they even seem the way... Different. I mean, uh, Scott Mosher's portrayal of the character is this very, like, monotone, like... <sighs> like, you know, yeah. like... And then... Uh, well, apparently he's so distraught over not being able to see that <laughs> sailboat in Mallrats yeah. the next day. Right. <laughs> Although, timeline-wise, I think... I. I Maybe this is supposed to be a Friday because I could have swore Clerks was a Saturday. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I, or maybe Clerks is a Sunday. I don't know. Yeah, but the one chick has to go to class. There's... Oh, that's true. Yeah. But I swear, I thought one of the characters referenced, like in the one of the comic book store scenes or something, or with like Stan Lee being there. I don't know. Right. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't wrong. know. We'll see. Who cares? And they go to the flea market dirt mall which doesn't seem like that would even be open during the week that's true you're probably right but whatever um although i do think the collinswood auction is open friday saturday and sunday all right so maybe (laughs) it's a friday no i don't know Uh, in addition to willem jay and silent bob are there and they seem to have kind of a kinship with brody uh, Brody seems like more of a man of the people. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> he seems to know everybody and everything that's going on, whereas he has to kind of explain it and he, I to mean, T.S. Brody, the character, makes this movie. Oh, definitely. I mean, his delivery of dialogue and just his basically over-the-top asinine disregard for uh, being an adult is just the most entertaining thing to watch. Now, apparently... Uh, the studio wanted Mike Myers, Adam Sandler, or Chris Farley to play Brody. Now, it's like, we trash Kevin Smith a lot for the things, certain <laughs> things that he's done, but it's like, polling uh, Jason Lee for this was just a great, I mean, an unbelievable casting. I could be movie. wrong, but I believe that someone else was actually cast, and it's never been said who. Eric Stoltz. And that person had like, quote, a breakdown, and then couldn't do it. Something like that. Oh, wow. I mean, the cast is completely strange. Like, it's weird that Jason Lee is basically the lead. Uh, Shannon Doherty is his girlfriend. I mean, and she was definitely the biggest star, right, at the time. And I mean, even as a kid, I remember when my mom watched Beverly Hills 90210, and like when it ha- like when she told me about the character Brenda leaving the show, and she was like, "Yeah, you know, even like in the days when." We didn't have Wikipedia and stuff. My mom was like, oh, yeah, she's supposedly like a big bitch and everyone hates working with her. <laughs> well, it was, yeah, that was, it was like well documented. That was I guess. well documented. Yeah. So understanding that Jay and Silent Bob are just basically local scumbags that hang out at different places, uh, they kind of seek their help in destroying the show's stage so that the truth or date thing will never happen. Yeah, this is all an attempt, obviously, at winning Brandy back for uh, TS. But although it does seem like the plan is a little bit misguided anyway, because it's like the whole reason that she's staying to do this is to help her dad because he's in a bind now that the contestant has died. So it's like, how are you helping your dad by fucking up the show even more? Well, maybe out of anger they're doing this. Yeah, but at the end of the day, he's really fucking with Brandy's livelihood. Yeah, that's true. I I mean, mean, success for her father, you know, could prove beneficial. But it it doesn't take long, you know, for it to be revealed how much 
actually, I think even in the opening scene, we kind of understand that her father hates T.S. Right. So there's yeah. obviously an adversarial relationship going on. They also encounter Shannon Hamilton, who's played by Ben Affleck. The fashionable male. Yeah, he works at a store called The Fashionable Mail, and he hates Brody. (laughs) (laughs) And it turns out that uh, Renee has started dating Shannon, seemingly in the course of just today. Of just that day, unless she was cheating on him, but like it's not never really said that that happened. It seems like they're gonna go on their first date that night. Although it's weird, (laughs) this is—I mean, it's a strange. Yeah, but they had to be talking before this. Yeah, there had to be. What's her thing like? He sets up a date with her, and then she just kind of like spends the rest of his shift like hanging around the mall. Apparently, it's kind of a weird move, isn't it? Yeah, and he claims to hate Brody because of quote his lack of a shopping agenda, <laughs> <laughs> which of course makes no sense. But well, he would hate me. Too. It turns out that you know he probably hates him because he's dating Renee, and right. he wants you know a chance at Renee. So it's kind of just like, oh, we're encountering all these different people, including uh, the security guard, Trisha, <laughs> a.k.a. Trish the Dish. Oh, yeah. Who is fifteen and writing a book about having sex with dudes fourteen to thirty? Just an insane angle, really. <laughs> I mean, what the hell is going on? I mean, they end up playing this into the end of the movie, and you're like, yeah, that makes sense. But what happens to all these other guys? Who's financing this book? Yeah, it seems insane that she would and get her, a book advance I, for, for the idea of having sex with adult men. Yeah, basically entrapment. <laughs> Um, and then they also encounter Gwen, played by Joey Lauren Adams, who is an ex-girlfriend of T.S.'s, who has kind of... A real woman of, about town. Yeah, she seemingly has kind of remained friends with him, despite the fact that it's obvious that she was like a slut when they dated. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the, all of these characters, based on their last names and whatnot, seem to have relations to characters from Clerks and Chasing Amy and everything else. So it's kind of this... You know, big interconnected thing that goes through Smith's first couple of movies. You know, the order of these events isn't particularly important. I mean, they kind of, they end up running into Renee at the mall. Yeah. uh, and Which it is kind of like, oh man, I just thought of something. I got in a fight one time at a mall and like kicked out because of a girl. (laughs) Oh God. Not the letter writer, but a different... One, uh, this was like another breakup. This is like an insane move. So she breaks up with me. I'm upset about it. I'm I'm a wreck, devastated. <laughs> she asked me. She called. She calls and asks me to give her a ride to the mall. Oh my god! And she tells me, "Oh, I want to meet my friend, a girl." Uh, I drop her off. You know, then I go inside the mall. Oh boy, not a girl that she's in line to go to the movies with. Oh, I lost it. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, some security guard had to break that up real quick and just, like, it's escorted me out of the mall. <laughs> it was LaFleur's. Oh, my God. Yeah. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Your love life is just an endless series of disasters. Why do you think it's, like, very hard for me to, I mean. You I drove think- this girl to the mall so she could date another guy. I know. It is, like, oh, how humiliating. <laughs> What a scene. Well, the, yeah, I mean, it definitely... You should have attacked her. Some things. <laughs> oh, I mean, you know, all's fair, but... <laughs> I mean, it was like an insane move. Yeah, I, I, 
it's hard to even get into the minds of somebody, uh, the mind of a girl that would do something like that. I was like pretty that. like, I was like weepy on the way to the mall too. Oh my God. And she was like comforting me. This is insane. I know. I don't even want to hear this. <laughs> it's oh fine. I've God. done a therapy. <laughs> <laughs> so Brody confronts Renee to find out more about her relationship with Shannon. And it it, it results in this insane scene in which he grabs her and pulls her into an elevator while T.S. distracts Shannon and Brody and Renee end up having sex in the elevator. Yeah, they somehow uh, are able to stall the elevator even though they don't even... It's Even in the logic of the movie, it's not explained. No. They, and, I mean, it's, it's not, not like, even... Mo- it doesn't appear to be even moving. Yeah, yeah, there's no buttons pressed or anything. For some reason, they're outside of it and can't get it to open back up. But... Yeah, I mean, pretty legendary move, I mean... Yeah, I mean, he fucks her, you know, presumably raw dog, so, I mean, (laughs) the rest of the movie, you know, he's just got, like, I don't know how to say this, but, like, he's got her on him. Yeah. The rest of the... I mean, talk about, like, just nonstop itching your crotch. Yeah, what was the cleanup situation, too? Minimal, if any. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I mean, we we should at least get a cutaway to, like, a paper towel situation in the bathroom, something. I mean, it is like, (laughs) oof. But hey, I mean, it's hot, I guess. Although it's like the most unconvincing sex scene I think I've ever seen committed to film. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, and I guess it's like an exciting thing for her, but it's like, I mean, how long could this have possibly been? I don't know, probably like 30 seconds. Yeah, not very fulfilled here, I wouldn't say. (laughs) Also, though, an interesting move that the guy that you're going supposed to go on a date with later that night is standing a mere feet away outside the elevator while you're having sex with your ex-boyfriend. Well, she was overcome with passion. Although she does make it abundantly clear that it's a case of too little too late. <laughs> too little? <laughs> you know, your little story about getting kicked out of the mall oh. kind of reminds me of the time I was kicked out of the mall. <laughs> Although, a lot less dramatic, really. Yeah. Um. It happened when we were at the age where we didn't have driver's licenses yet, and so we would get dropped off at the mall. Did you have to wait for your parents to come pick you up after you got kicked out? Well, that's what we were supposed to do, yeah. Oh. I think we just ended up going back in. (laughs) (laughs) I don't really remember. Yeah. But... Which mall was this, But uh, just for my own? Ross Park. Okay. We, We were at that age where... We were probably close to getting our licenses, so we were probably too old to be even doing something this lame. Anyway. Hanging out at the mall, yeah, yeah. But like, even though, well, what what do we do now? Are we too old? Well, it's to different when you drive yourself. Yeah. Well, we got dropped off, and then we would walk outside of the mall, and then we would go over to this other plaza that was like not really that close, but it was like up on the same hill, and it, I, I think. Right. For your reference, it's where that Home Depot is now. Uh, what was over there? Well, it used to be like a grocery store and uh, a Gabriel's. What was, and what was Gabriel's? Is that like Michael's? It's way <laughs> shittier. It's like, there's one I think in... <laughs> All right, forget it. It's just a store that sells like fucked up clothes sometimes. Oh. But there'll be like, there'll be other... Like regular kind too, but gotcha. like they'll have misprinted clothes too and stuff like that. Everything's so if, super uh, cheap. Gabriel's would like to sponsor the show, <laughs> tweet <laughs> us. We didn't go inside pod. it. We were just walking around, and there was on the side of the hill there. There was 
two full bags of merchandise from Gabriel's. <laughs> no idea how they got there, what they were, if they were paid for or stolen or what. But there right. was just two full bags, and it had all kinds of shit in there. Clothes, um, bath mats, I don't Whoa, know, different things. Hall. And so we took those bags, and then we walked back into Ross Park Mall, and then... I had the genius idea of let's take these bath mats and throw them off the side of the second floor onto the first floor. <laughs> so we just started throwing the stuff from wow. the bags. That's crazy. <laughs> and then we were kicked out of the mall. Holy cow. I never would have. I mean, it's crazy that I got into a fight at the mall because like I lived my life being so afraid of getting in trouble. <laughs> but, I, you know, sometimes you just the passion takes over. Yeah, it was an emotional but, situation. Uh, but yeah, no, that's crazy to me. I can't. So, how quick was the security on you? I don't remember. <laughs> it didn't take long. No, that's yeah, for sure. I wouldn't think. <laughs> anyway, so <clears throat> Renee's got kind of a big day though. She's fucking Brody in the elevator on the same day. She's gonna have this first date with Shannon, Which who wants got, to fuck her in the ass. Yeah, big plans. So all holes <laughs> are gonna be occupied on this, on this yeah. particular day. Um, <laughs> Jesus. Uh, Brandy's father, played by Michael Rooker, becomes aware of Brody and T.S.'s presence at the mall. Uh, T.S. has tried to talk to him a couple of times. It hasn't gone well. He sets up this scenario where they're arrested on false charges and taken out of the mall. Yeah, because the security guard is just carrying a giant bag of dope on him for some reason. (laughs) Yeah. so, So that he can plant it on them. I guess it's Renee of all people, who witnesses this and then goes and gets Jay and Silent Bob to, like, rescue them. (laughs) (laughs) So Jay and Silent Bob somehow attack the security guards. With an aluminum bat. (laughs) I mean, Jay literally hits uh, LaFleur's in the back of the head with an aluminum bat. It's like his brain would start hemorrhaging. (laughs) So Brody and T.S. are able to escape, and they go to a flea market which they refer to as the dirt mall this is yeah it's a really strange like kind of side journey like, <laughs> well they needed a, a way detour for things to cool down yeah. before they could go back <laughs> and it's at the uh dirt mall where we have the infamous topless psychic which a couple things about the psychic her setup spot at the flea market very homey pretty cool i mean <laughs> Yeah, it seemed like a living room. Better than our apartment. Yeah, way more comfy (laughs) seeming. Um, Uh, The other thing is the price, $59.96 or something like that. I mean, that's an insane amount of money. For something that's fake, you know? Well, well, you're not even going to get to, like, touch her boobs or... Well, yeah, I'm I'm just thinking of even just, like, the fortune part of it, like... Oh, well, that's... Come on. (laughs) (laughs) No one's going to that That's the afterthought. But, like, I mean, for 60 bucks in you know although brody most is, places that's at least a hummer from a prostitute i mean <laughs> boy you know, yeah you know the prices no, i don't uh brody like... pulling a legendary move here though and like really convincing being like you need to do this and then as soon as they get in there be like okay you gotta pay for it though <laughs> you're paying though right i'll pay you back uh and, priscilla barnes playing the topless yeah uh fortune teller now i remember her in the devil's rejects and for an old, older chick, pretty smoking hot in Devil's Rejects still, I would say. Yeah, you can tell how she got this part to be the topless psychic. <laughs> That's uh, apparent. <laughs> although the whole gimmick is that she has a fake third nipple on, which horrifies Brody. And yet, T.S. 
listens to everything she's saying as if it's yeah. you know she's an actual psychic and takes it all to heart. Right. Which is I guess is supposed to be funny. There's a lot of things in this movie that just flat out aren't funny. Yeah. That, Some of the jokes still are funny, but yeah. Yeah, I definitely still laughed a few times, right. but there is kind of that sense of like, well, maybe I've finally matured out of thinking Mallrats is like a comedy masterpiece. Although, to be fair, I've seen it so many times, yeah. none of the jokes are really... You That's know, true. I, I definitely anymore. think there's still a lot of good jokes in it, but yeah, I mean some. I mean some of the st- I mean some of Kevin Smith's jokes are just lame anyway, in all his movies. Yeah, although I will say that as a film, it's not as funny to me as Clerks, and it it's not as good of a film as Chasing Amy or even Dogma, really. Right. Yeah. Although it's it kind of always has had that unique like underdog spirit because it was well, this yeah, big studio it thing bomb, yeah it was such a disaster so it was the cult surrounding it you know i think grew to be even right. more loyal and, but even again like we spoke to earlier just the birth of jason lee as an actor like is what a character to get from him like well the studio actually didn't want jason muse to play jay yeah i know that too yeah uh it was what Brecken meyer and, and seth, seth green, green. What is this fucking can't hardly wait? <laughs> yeah, they clueless. Uh, there's certain roles that just have to be played by the people that play them. I mean, Jay was Jay in Clerks. I think if he would have been replaced, that would have really been I, like screwed things up. I, yeah, I think Kevin Smith's whole career would be completely different, and not you in a think, good way. Really? I mean, yeah, I think. You don't think when think he made he, Chasing he, Amy, he wouldn't have just put Jay right back in? I don't know. If he would have replaced Jay in this, I think a lot of the Kevin Smith like loyal fan base that's existed for now 20 years, I think it would be well, a lot Well, they didn't smaller. really fucking sell tickets for this movie, so... <laughs> well, that's because they didn't really exist yet. Yeah, okay. It started to grow right. at, you know, after this I, movie. Yeah, I kind of know what you're saying. Yeah, yeah I, I do. I think it would have negatively affected... Yeah. The whole cult of Kevin Smith. That's true. It would have. Um, so the two go back to the mall after seeing the topless psychic. Uh, now she removes the third nipple and eats it at the end. <laughs> <laughs> I will say that. But begging the question as to what that actually is. It's a pepperoni. <laughs> I could only think of like something that they would sell at Spencer's Gifts. Edible nipples. Yes. <laughs> uh, to go along with the mall theme. Right. Spencer Gifts. <laughs> yeah. Do Spencer so Gifts exist anywhere of outside of malls? I spent a lot of time in Spencer's Gifts. Especially, it's like, I mean, the shit that was going on in those stores. <laughs> it was basically a sex store. I mean, you could just see, I like, like, see books with like naked chicks and stuff in them. Oh, yeah. I was like... Uh, you know, my mom taking me shopping. She's looking around at whatever stores. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna go check out some store. <laughs> just like, yeah, I don't. Even, my parents probably wouldn't even let me go into Spencer Gifts. Yeah, I know. <laughs> if I was with them, at the I mall. think I was probably scared to go in there at times when I was younger. Like the, you know, I mean, there was a time in my life where I saw like white dudes with dreads, and I was like, holy shit! <laughs> like, that, I, well, I still react that way. Yet it's a kind of a different holy yeah. shit. It's like get a life. <laughs> I mean, I remember when a mall, when the mall, I mean, this was when I lived in Massachusetts, but the mall, when it first got a hot topic, I was like terrified of the kids that hung out there, like legitimately scared. Again, I think I'm legitimately scared now, but more now for their futures. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Goth kids used to really freak me out. Well, 
the first time that I ever went to a Hot Topic was at none other than Century 3 Mall. Oh. <laughs> because Ross Park didn't have one. And I drove, I had, I was like 16-ish, seven, maybe just turned 17. Right. Still pretty new with a license, had oh, no yeah. idea how to wow. get anywhere. That, yeah, you made a trek. And my girlfriend at the time told me about the store and she knew how to get there. Of course, we went like a completely <laughs> oh, insane yeah. way that took like almost an hour to get there. Sure, and it's just right. like, the first time I saw this place, I was I was like, what? There's a store that sells all these band t-shirts oh, and yeah. stickers right. and stuff? I was like, what? It was unbelievable. Yeah. Now they barely sell any band merch, but it was almost all band related stuff yeah. the first time I went there. Well, I think like about a pretty sweet Blink One Eighty Two shirt. I think I was mostly thinking like, and I didn't, granted I didn't even know what these bands were, what they sounded like at the time, but it was like Nine Inch Nails, Tool, like stuff like that. That I was just like, you know, kids that wore that stuff, I was just terrified of when I was in like fifth grade. <laughs> well, yeah, you were a lot younger. I was sixteen or seventeen, yeah. so. Anyway, that was just um, fucking another day for you. Yeah. Before the show begins, um, Brody receives advice on romance from Stan Lee. Now, earlier in the film, there was kind of this thing where they try to go to the comic book store, and oh, there's a big yeah. line, and it turns out that Stan Lee is there. Two of the fa- my favorite uh, Kevin Smith universe characters, Steve Dave and Fanboy. <laughs> <laughs> now... Apparently, Kevin Smith had written into the script that it was supposed to be like a Stan Lee type, and then it just so happened that through some sort of personal connection, he was able to actually get Stan Lee to be in the movie. Yeah, pretty cool. Um, Now, I know that this was 1995, and so things were a lot different, but it seems that Stan Lee, of all people... Going to a comic book store for some kind of a signing or something would be a much bigger deal even in 95. Yeah, a huge draw. You would think, I mean, it's definitely different now. I mean, especially even him being in the the movie probably wasn't even that big of a deal at the time. But now he's been in like 45 movies since then. No, I still don't really think him being in a movie would be a big deal. No, but like it's like the thing that everyone recognizes him from movies now. Yeah, like you know, those Marvel movies are so big, and he makes an appearance in every single one of them. Yeah, and obviously, uh, due to the movies, comic books in general, you know, obviously are way more popular now than they were in '95, uh, which was I think the '90s are kind of known for kind of a down period. Even uh, though it's weird because since I was a kid in the '90s, I kind of you view it as the glory days. Well, I, I was into I, like X Men and I think all that it, stuff yeah, in like ninety five. The, the high times of the animated series. Yeah, you know I, the Spider Man series, the X Men series, the Batman animated series. It, it doesn't get any better, <laughs> for my money. But somehow, even though Brody is supposedly like this huge comic book fan, he's unaware that Stanley's going to be there again. You know, pre-internet, I guess. Right. It could slip by you. I, that, yeah, that does seem insane. But yeah, that's the thing. I don't know. I don't know how I knew about anything. <laughs> how did people then. even that's know like, just anything see? back then? It's like, that's the thing. Like, in the 90s movies, people were putting flyers on, like, bulletin boards all the time. Was that it? <laughs> Is that how people found out stuff? Well, I mean, you would I think guess, that if he I think frequented maybe, this comic book store on a regular basis... He would have had to have known about his this. mom would have had to have seen it in the newspaper and tell him about it. That's the <laughs> well, only thing I can think of. It doesn't seem like Brody has a great relationship with his mom. Uh, <laughs> I think he does. He just doesn't want his mom to meet that troll of a girlfriend he's dating. <laughs> <laughs> so 
Stan Lee gives him like this ro- this ridiculous advice. It turns out, you know, to be at the behest of TS, who somehow set all this up without Brody knowing. I yeah. insane uh, that any right. of this happens. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the stuff that happens in Mallrats is so ridiculous that you just can't question it at <laughs> it all. Subtly, one of my favorite Brody moments is when he's just like standing in front of that like lingerie store, and Stanley's like, "Are you looking at that couple in there?" And he's like, "Actually, I was looking at this pink number right here." <laughs> So, but yeah, then he, Stanley. Stanley, just, I guess, opens his eyes and makes him appreciate Renee more, and which seemingly Stanley could have said anything, and <laughs> Brody would have gone along with it and thought it was the best advice in the world. Well, Brody, even though he's got this fun personality and he's the most entertaining character, and you know, when you're a certain age and you see this movie, you want to emulate Jason Lee from this movie. <laughs> It doesn't really seem like, as far as Things chicks probably, go, that he's going to be landing someone that looks like Shannon Doherty no, very often. So. so you'd think uh, he'd be you know, doing whatever he could to get her back. Yeah, I mean, he's <laughs> on the fast track to loserdom, and I'm familiar with the track. I've spent a lot of years on it. <laughs> Some say that you got on that track as you were being escorted from the mall by the security <laughs> oh, <yeah>. guard. <laughs> he threw you right onto that track. <laughs> yeah. So... Brody tracks down Trisha, Trisha the Dish, because he because, knows yeah, she's made it clear that she him. films fucking all of these dudes. Right. And one of the dudes that she happened to fuck was Shannon Affleck, who is trying to woo Renee. So he's putting the pieces together in his mind of how this tape is going to benefit and him. A, I just, the idea that, like, I mean, his ultimate goal, seemingly, is anal sex. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's obsessed with anal sex. Yeah. Which is something that comedies and stuff, and Kevin Smith is definitely not alone in this, but it, it definitely seemed that comedies and comedians and certain types they of things like, like that thought grail. anal sex was so funny for <laughs> yeah. like the longest time. Whether it was hetero, hetero or homo, like it didn't matter. Anal sex was just the ultimate funny. And it's just... <laughs> Looking at it now, in 2017, it's like, is this funny? I don't know. It doesn't really even seem that funny to me. I don't know. It just seems weird that it's constantly being brought up. (laughs) It's like, all right, you want to fuck her in the ass. Either do it or don't do it. Like, why do you keep bringing it up? Pre-internet porn, I mean, things were were just a lot more like taboo. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean... We know that I'm desensitized. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is not going to, you know, really register with me. But like, I'm talking not even from like a shock value thing, oh, just no, from I like know. a comedic thing. It's like it's you can tell that it's brought up so much, and then the recurring joke of like he says he's going to have sex with her in a very uncomfortable place, and then everyone's response is always what, like in the back of a Volkswagen, right? Which is also not funny at all. I don't know. That was really funny to me. <laughs> Not on this viewing, but, you know, it definitely got its mileage out of me. I do like that Trisha's book is going to be called Borgasm. <laughs> That's pretty good. That could have been written by any one of my ex-girlfriends. <laughs> so TS hooks back up with Jay, and the new plan is to get the game show contestants stoned, which will allow TS and Brody too. to replace them on Truth or Date. The power of marijuana... And how it was portrayed in movies. It's like, yeah, this is going to just... Well, it's not even saying that it's going to knock them out. They're going to smoke it and then eat a bunch of food and then pass out in some sort of combined weed food coma. Well, I kind of put that in the same category as like the obsession with anal yeah, sex. It's like, there's a lot of 
90s comedy tropes that pop up in this. Right. Yes. Um and it's relation it's re- like the relationship with marijuana is definitely one of those things right, that true. gets done to death in these kind of comedies. So it's now left us with uh, Brody and TS inserting themselves as two contestants, along with one returning one, Gil, who's played by Dante from Clerks. Yeah, and his name is Gil Hicks, and Dante right. was Dante Hicks. Presumably, it's supposed to be his brother. Or some um, sort of relative, yeah. So now... He's pretty unsuffer- or insufferable, though. Yeah. Uh, Brandy's dad, meanwhile, has been sidelined by Brody, who has stink-palmed him. Which, oh, yeah. it, for those of you not familiar, involves sticking your hand down the back of your pants into your ass crack <laughs> and getting all of the stink sweat on it and then rubbing your hand onto someone else. Right, and yes. In this scenario, it involved chocolate-covered pretzels, which smear all over the place and, of course, are spo- is supposed to look like shit. Yeah. And then he's... You know, Brandy's dad is eating the pretzels and licking his fingers. It's pretty disgusting, really. Well, the real disgusting thing is that he's still got the stink palm going when he goes all over the place throughout the rest of the movie, including shaking hands with Stan Lee twice (laughs) and touching other people. That's true. We never see like a hand wash there. Anyway, uh, so in other words, Brandy's dad is unable to really kind of stop any of these things as they're all you know, taking place in front of him. He keeps throwing up and he's, you know, involved with like the TV now, executives who the are there these, to see this thing. Cause it's like a pilot. These dudes that uh, smoke or whatever, the other contestants are insinuating that this is going to be live TV. Now Brody goes on basically with the most vulgar language. I mean, I don't know what sort of delay they're working with here, but I mean, they'd have to just cut, they'd have to just pull this, like cut right out of it. He's oh, yeah, control. they would have dumped right out of this yes. thing. Because, yeah, okay, so... You mean, like, fucking, he says at one point? <laughs> yeah, Brandy comes out, and she can't see the three contestants, because it's kind of like the yeah. blind dating right. game kind of thing. I mean, this is basically a, a rip-off of the dating game or any other yeah, of those yeah. things that are exactly like this. So she has the three contestants, two of which are T.S. and Brody, um, and she, you know, begins to ask them questions. For some reason, it seems to take her a few questions before she realizes who she's right. talking to. Even though, like, spe- I mean, first of all, one's her fucking boyfriend that is going to propose to her, so you would think she'd recognize that voice. But the other one just has like such a recognizable, obnoxious, abrasive tone to him, and the things he's saying. Oh, I know. Obviously, yeah. Um, here's the other thing. I mean, I love Jason Lee in this movie. Everything he says during this whole scene on stage isn't really funny to me at all it's annoying yeah and horrifying really horrifying yeah i mean it's horrifying that like someone would think this was funny uh you know what i always thought was cool i never i I honestly and this is the truth i never thought this part was funny i always cringed at this even the first time i saw it i was like oh i think what i liked about it is i liked that this is the climax of the movie like (laughs) just the idea that like a staged game show is like the climax of a movie. And they got a shit ton of people into this mall watching this I, thing. I can't true. believe how big the studio audience is. <laughs> Why would these people be sitting there? I would be like, fuck this. This Why? is retarded. Any chance to maybe be on TV? Ugh. I mean, I get. granted, the train wreck that ensues is high-class entertainment. To, I do, if this was all a real thing if that you was and actually me went happening. To this, like, 
I'd probably be like, uh, I don't know. And then like, but like once we're actually in the seats, I'd be like, okay, we have to sit here now. Like, and it started and you would just be like, this is stupid. Let's get up. And now it's like a scene. Now we're like getting up. Like I would cause that scene. I'd be oh, like, I, I don't you give would. a shit. Yeah. <laughs> I will say this though. You'd be like, who are these guys? The dress. This that girl's going to date one of these idiots. The dress that Brandy's wearing in this scene. She is unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, I know stunner. every episode of this show just turns into me <laughs> going on and on about some actress, but it's, this one really caught me by surprise. <laughs> I must say, I mean, I've watched this movie a million times and it never really dawned on me just how unbelievable looking this chick is. Yeah. We should watch Meet Joe Black. I'm telling you. That's all right. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to just preserve her in my memory as... Brandy is spending from 1995 forever. Yeah, I mean, they're trying to have this stupid game show, but uh, stupid TS just has to keep making it about himself. And, like, he's trying to be a little bit cryptic about it at first, but then just... Well, yeah, eventually, you know... It basically just turns into us, the studio audience, the audience watching the movie, (laughs) them just watching TS and uh, Claire Forlani just air their dirty laundry. Right, and eventually Brody comes in for the save, telling Brandy that T.S. has been trying all day to think of ways to win her back. This seems to thaw her, you know, a little bit. (laughs) And he eventually, for some reason, T.S. chooses that moment to propose, and she accepts. (laughs) And in the studio audience is Shannon and uh, Renee together, and you can kind of tell that she's entertained by what Brody's saying. Right, yeah. Which is ridiculous because I'd be like, if I was her, I'd be like, oh, I made the right decision. Yeah, I'm dating someone who this has This guy's a, a nice total job. ass. Yeah. <laughs> He's so obnoxious. <laughs> and everything he says is horribly unfunny. Um, but for whatever reason, she seems to be warming to him and then... He kind of at, at at the conclusion after TS and Brandy, you know, do their thing, he kind of what professes his love for her and all that stuff and then Shannon's making a beeline to the stage to beat him up. <laughs> They've kind right. of set this whole thing up where like Silent Bob is going to play the tape that Trisha has brought in yet you know, he can't reach the tape uh, and then yeah, Willem who right. ha- still hasn't seen the sailboat and one of those stupid uh, yeah. picture things kicks the stage, which Everything somehow together, propels yeah. the video <laughs> upwards. Yeah. Defying physics. So they play the tape of Shannon fucking a 15 year old in the ass. Think about that. I know that is an insane thing. Now granted. Now really though, uh, I mean, Jason Lee just, or Brody just says that girl's 15. And then the cops immediately arrest Ben Affleck. Well, they believed it. I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, everything has to wrap up really quickly and yeah. nicely for everyone. But I mean, granted, okay, so in this movie, even though the actress, I think, was like 20 at the time. Well, I mean, yeah, she's clearly not I mean, 15. Yeah, she looks- but in this movie, they don't really... The, the scene, you only really see trisha and shannon's faces as he's like doing her from behind or whatever and he's saying like all this stupid shit that's supposed to be funny <laughs> Call me the new kids on the block or whatever but like in the reality of this moment they're showing a video to an audience full of people of a grown man fucking a 15 year old in the ass yeah that is insane and it's weird that the studio wasn't like maybe we should back off this a little bit is this still airing on 
regular TV at this point? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if it ever did. And it also seems kind of crazy how willing Trisha is to just give this video up. I know. <laughs> Do they have to like... She says like, I don't think I want to be here when people see what's on that. But it's like... Yeah. I mean... And then it's like, it opens that door of like, well, if he's going to jail for it, shouldn't everyone else that's participated yeah, they, in this experiment? the police, I think, would confiscate her videos. Yeah, you would think. <laughs> it should start a whole investigation. That's technically child porn, and then even she, though she made it. Right, but then she would also get sued for her advance like after, like after because she spent all that money. It would just turn into an entire disaster. Well, it's kind of like that thing in today's society where even if an underage person takes a naked picture of themselves and sends it to somebody the person who took the picture of themselves can still get in trouble because that's technically i'm like possessing and dispersing child pornography but like these videos that she filmed herself and has in her possession i mean she could she's basically patrick swayze and donnie darko yeah some people would even say worse i don't i, yeah, I don't no, know if i would say no worse. kidding um yeah i don't know she's definitely a mature 15 yeah (laughs) totally no i mean it is insane though what's being implied here but yeah so he's going to prison it all gets paid off in like the wrap-up later as he's getting fucked in the ass in prison Um, yeah it does one of those wrap-up endings where it's like here's the update on what happened to everybody after the story and it was like uh ts and Brandy get married at Universal in Florida where the shark pops out of the water on the Jaws ride. Right. And then Shannon goes to jail and is anally raped. (laughs) (laughs) Willem eventually sees the sailboat. And for some reason, Brody becomes the host of The Tonight Show with Renee as his band leader. a crazy promotion from like (laughs) just being this ass that appears on... This stupid show. Like I like how the network executives that are thinking about like trying out this show are on a level high enough to give him the job of the tonight show. Well, and the weird Just thing is thought- this would have only been like a couple years after Jay Leno took over well, the I Tonight guess Show. It wasn't going great. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, we gotta replace him already. And yeah, I mean with this complete unknown. We've had no indication that Renee has any musical ability, but she's just thrown right into that band leader position. <laughs> And Jay and Silent Bob are walking around with a monkey apparently named Suzanne. And then, you know, the tease is that we're going to get that story later. And it seems pretty much like a shot taken straight out of Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Right. Which, obviously, I don't think Kevin Smith had written at the time. But I guess he felt compelled to pay that off. Yeah. Eventually. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, it took two movies to get there. Right. And he certainly could have worked a monkey into the uh, dogma storyline. Yeah, because that was like a road enough, trip yeah. type thing, too. <laughs> um, is there anything else from that wrap-up scene? Um, no, I think it's just so Trisha signing her books and Boars uh, is like her personal security guard there. <laughs> That's right. Um, one scene that we didn't talk about that I at least want to bring up is uh, Mr. Svenning talking to ts about ts having sex with his daughter <laughs> super creepy oh my god how uncut it's like i don't care if if any of my girlfriend's dads ever had that conversation with me i just <laughs> kill, I mean, kill yourself yeah i mean how could i live with the trauma from that it's like <laughs> yeah he's clearly got something going on 
uh, he's like, for his own daughter because you've slimed yourself into her pants. Her pant. He says yeah, her panties, panties at one point. Like, oh, at least once in my house. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, yeah. I mean, he's obviously overly obsessed with her too. It's very much like look a, at her. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely very much like the relationship from uh, say anything. The mother father mother the daughter father relationship in that yeah it's always a bummer when dads are like super weird about that yeah it's i like, never really had that problem because i think most of the dads knew that i just wasn't a threat <laughs> they're like this fucking pussy <laughs> i always wanted to date chicks where the dad was out of the picture <laughs> <laughs> i wanted to be their dad oh. <laughs> So we'll see you next time. <laughs> oh, <laughs> folks. Yeah, so obviously Mallrats will always be kind of a classic. Yeah. Not one that I mean, we, we I might, really need to revisit super often. I don't know. Though. Yeah, I mean, we might trash it a little bit here, but it's like that'll always be like a special movie yeah, for me. Yeah, a time and a place, oh, people. Yeah. A time and a place in your life. <laughs> As we speak, it seems like they're moving forward with what was originally supposed to be a sequel film to Mallrats. Uh, now it seems like it's maybe going to be a 10-episode TV At show this point, it's called Mallrats. At this point, <laughs> it's hard to believe like anything that Kevin Smith says is going to happen. Like well, some of the stuff happens, but it's like part of it is like he writes these scripts and then he thinks they're really good, so he starts acting like it's going to happen, and then you know other people read the scripts and they're like, "This is awful." <laughs> no thanks, yeah. I mean, it's pretty I, <laughs> pass. I don't know. I mean, he acts like it's kind of seemingly like a mutual thing between him and the Weinstein's that they're not really working together anymore. But I don't know. It, it's like the people that at one point really funded like most of his movies, not really involved at all anymore. Well, they it definitely be wouldn't a, be involved in this because they don't well, own it. Yes, Universal right. does, but yeah, I mean, with Obviously, Clerks three yeah, and whatnot. If, yeah. So, which you know, what's the update on that? I don't know. I mean, who knows? At I, one point, he said he was retiring from directing. <laughs> There's he since made four movies. Now, I know a lot of people have like derided the idea of a Mallrats sequel, and truthfully, it probably will be terrible. But and for me, you know. A lot of these people in the movie aren't really up to very much anyway. And it's like, you know, if Kevin Smith can put something together to get them back out there and even if there's like a little bit of just, hey, there could be some feel good parts of it. Oh, where yeah. like, All right. Yeah. Well, these guys, you know, in the 20 years since have lived their lives and we can kind of check back in with the characters. It's not going to be great, folks. We know. Well, that. I just think. No, but. I, mean, I don't mind it. No, no. I don't I, really think it'll ruin the original no, or anything like that. Won't. It won't ruin the original. That's crazy. When people act like yeah, it's going to have some sort of effect. No, it's not even that. It's just like, really, for me, I never really felt like, is there any more of a movie that doesn't call for a sequel? Or like, a ch- you know what I mean? It's like. um, Yes, there are. But yeah, I know what you're saying. It's just like, There's I, no I, reason right, to do it. Yeah. But, you know, whatever. I mean, I didn't really... To be fair, Clerks 2 was better than I think anyone thought that it would be. Yeah, Clerks 2 has a lot of great jokes in it. So, I mean, you know, is Clerks 2 as good as the original? No, but it didn't really embarrass itself by by existing. No, no. Yeah, I like Clerks 2. 
So, I mean, you know, I, I just wish maybe he would ease up on the Although, weed like, a little Clerks, bit because yeah. everything he writes now is terrible. But uh, yeah, at Clerks 2 still came out at a time where I was liking the stuff that he was putting out. Yeah, I think at that point he had only really missed with like Jersey Girl. Yeah, I mean, I've never seen that even. So, well, it's it's not really that good, but it's not terrible, but it's just it, it it's not it doesn't feel like a Kevin right, Smith right, movie. It's yeah. just like, you know. All right. Well, <clears throat> That'll do it for the big Mallrats discussion. You know, uh, it's our first time getting into Kevin Smith. I mean, who knows? We're, we might do another Kevin Smith movie someday Probably, yeah. if, if we hit, you know, 300 episodes <laughs> or something. <laughs> no, I'd love to do Chasing Amy, too. Well, and Clerks. I mean, well, you looked at the schedule and you didn't see Chasing Amy on there. So. No, but I mean, you know, we got a lot of weeks left in us. Do we? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so as I said, earlier subscribe on itunes uh tell your friends uh give us a rating and a review if you haven't done so already we appreciate it uh matt's gonna get these stickers out to yep. the people that want them absolutely have they all been spoken for or no no some- I, I have plenty now yeah no, there's right. not a limited supply anymore i can definitely sense a few of the sheets of those ending up in the trash <laughs> in the near future no, put them on <laughs> random stuff you know throughout the out city the world yeah <laughs> Uh, like bath, like public bathroom stalls. <laughs> yeah, next to a glory hole. <laughs> and follow the show on Twitter at Greatest Pod. And uh, you know, stay tuned. We got big stuff as always coming up. Should be uh, a big year for us, I think. Right? I, I don't see why not. Sure. I'm excited. Yeah. All right. Uh, we'll see you next time. This has been the greatest moments in the history of forever. Peace. today okay i don't know what whatever it is it's not right on the teleprompter i don't know what that is i've never seen that okay but if now i can't read it there's no there's no words on it there's no words there to play us out what does that mean to play us out What is for credit? I don't know what that means to play us out. What does that mean?
to end the show? Yeah. Yeah. All right, go, go. In five, four, three. That's tomorrow, and that is it. Okay, in five, four, three. That's tomorrow, and that is it for us today. And we will leave you with a. I can't do it. Okay. We'll do it live. Okay. We'll, no. we'll do it live! Fuck it! Do it live! I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live! Right. Fucking thing sucks! In five, four, three. That's tomorrow, and that is it for us today. I'm Bill O'Reilly. Thanks again for watching. We'll leave you with Sting and a cut off his new album. Take it away.